0: Places, please. Places for the top of theater countdown.
1: Oh, not again. I'm going on stage without my favorite headpiece. Ugh. I'm the only one on stage without it, but I guess this memory will live in my mind forever. <gasps> See what I did there!
2: Wow! Thank
1: you so much. Hi, nice. everybody. You
2: know that there's a literary term for that.
1: <laughs> what is it?
2: It's it's foreshadowing. Yes, yes. It's a great narrative device. Well done. Well played, Charles.
1: Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Theater Countdown. I am Gever mckell here with my Broadway bestie, and his name is.
2: Um, his name is Ben Cameron.
1: <laughs> and he's your Broadway buddy.
2: He sure I is. Intro from you. Uh, <laughs> Take your
1: intro from you.
2: No, no, it's fine. I mean, listen, if you don't get it by now, you're probably, you're probably buddy, damn it, going to knock on your door. Um, this is a woo. I'm glad you foreshadowed because this is an episode that is very different.
1: Yeah.
2: Than any episode that we've done before, um, so much so that I am still a little bit confused by it. <laughs> uh, if in truth. I have a lot of stuff written down. I have no number assignments to anything. Okay. And uh, my head is swimming in the pool of memory. Yeah. Um, But let's, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Yeah. I wanna talk about, well, your part, Cheryl's, my good Cheryl's everybody, is part of Hot Sexy Theater News this week. That's right. She is the sexiest part of theater news <laughs> because she's been very cagey about all of these trips that she's taking to Los Angeles and to London.
1: She has, been. Uh,
2: and I know what's up because we'd speak offline. But it, the the proverbial cat is out of the uh, out of the bag. Cheryl's congratulations on Ali.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, they just um, announced it in Deadline that uh, we are doing a musical based on. Muhammad Ali, and it's doing a pre-Broadway premiere in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, in the summer of summer, fall. No, I'm I don't have the article for me uh, next year in
2: 2024,
1: which is where Muhammad Ali is from. Uh, I can't really tell you much about it, except that it's being written and directed by Clint Dyer, who is the deputy artistic director of the National Theater in London. Oh. Um, and He's very fancy pants. He directed the musical Get Up Stand Up in the West End, which is about Bob Marley. Uh, oh. And he just directed a very um, highly acclaimed production of Othello at the National. Oh. Um, and he's writing and directing this thing. And we have Teddy Abrams, who is an incredible orchestral composer. This is his first foray into musical theater.
2: Oh, cool. And
1: and then there's me. I'm the associate director. And I, I did not know I was going to get a really lovely write-up in Deadline uh, by Baz, who is a very fancy pants uh, critic from, from London. So that was really cool. I, I didn't know that that was, that that was all happening. So I'm super, super excited. And yes, we've been doing some development in LA, we did some some work in London and I'm going to we're doing some stuff here next month. Um and then we're going to Louisville actually in July for a few days.
2: Do you have any? I'm sure you can't say, but is there anybody that's like attached in the title role that you're looking at?
1: Uh at this point no. Can't really. I don't I don't know if anyone is like officially attached yet. Um we okay. had some we've we've had some actors come in and out, but I've actually been doing I've actually been doing quite the like quite the you... creative heavy lifting because we're there's still writing. So I've I've been singing and I've been, you know, we've we've just been offering input and reading and I'm I'm kind of using all of my all of my acting skills on Oh fun. Well, for now, for now. I'm not I'm probably not gonna be in the show. I'm not gonna be in the show, but
2: Uh, does that, when you're in that position and you're in that creative room and you're the person who has kind of all of this usable skill set in a room full of creative minds, do you, is that a lot of pressure? Do you feel nervous for them to be like, Hey, what about this song? What would this sound like? And you're like, uh,
1: yes, (laughs) because it's like, it's nothing really, it's like, you know, it's, it's like lyrics on a page right now and they're, they're all collaborating and, and getting this stuff written, but like, yeah. I mean, and I'm also in the headspace of being on the other side of the table. So, so yes. anytime it's as if I've never performed before when they ask me to do something because I I'm like mentally prepared not to be doing that stuff. So when they ask me to sing something or, you know, try to help them figure something out, I'm like, uh, uh
2: I guess really I fun. will.
1: It's really fun, even though it's it's uh, at times it can be scary.
2: Well, I think it's any a vulnerable
1: vulnerable process
2: making art is scary. Period. Yeah. That's very, very exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh,
2: congratulations.
1: Thanks, Uh
2: So stay tuned, people. Ali is coming for you. I can see the positive views now. Ali is a knockout. Right. Ali is uh, punches you right in the gut. <laughs> Ali floats like a butterfly, stings like, stings a, like bee. a bee. <laughs> uh, Ali is the greatest. Greatest, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh gosh, goody, I hope goody, hope so.
1: drugs. yeah
2: i think it's interesting it's really crazy subject matter for a musical
1: well I, yeah i mean this man was like just the research that i've that i've done so far that i you know i, I knew plenty but really like really reading about what he was going through and in the 60s you know when he was when he was coming into fame and 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 acclaim um but all the work that he was doing socially and his exploration with with religion and, and the nation of Islam and his ties to Malcolm X. I mean, he's a fascinating, he was a fascinating person and he completely moved to the beat of his own drum. He did not care. He did not care what people thought. He had swag, he was poetic. I mean, it's like he's he's incredible. I and mean, this it's there's a lot to to explore. So I don't envy the writers at all.
2: Yeah. And then you try to take a life like that and then fine tune it into X amount of time, which is why all musicals yeah. begin at like three and a half hours before yeah. to figure out what you can, what you can live without and still get the story told. Oh, it's a, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I feel like Josh Henry's going to be in this, right? At some point. You can't say that. You can either confirm or deny.
1: Yeah. I, I don't even know if they're there yet. Yeah. But but uh
2: but it's a big deal to put it out in the trades
1: yeah i mean i saw that the other day and i knew that there was an announcement going out right they had they had done some interviews while we were in london but i didn't realize it was like gonna be like that yeah, <laughs> on that level
2: yeah yeah now it's Every, real everyone yeah and everybody knows about it yeah and now and on and boxing classes at crunch fitness have just yeah. have, the attendance is up
1: i know i'm actually doing some some boxing training we have um michael olahide who is like if you don't know who that who he is he's like a, a legend in the boxing world he actually trained adrian warren um while she was prepping for tina so that's oh, where wow. i kind of first saw him and then and now he's he's working on the show with us and he's he's trained me a few times and it's no joke
2: uh, no. no joke i did taibo back in the day so same, I definitely same. know um but interesting such this will there's new, mu- there are musicals about boxers, which it yeah. seems like, so the fact that Rocky is a musical, sorry if you're just now learning that, your today's- Golden
1: musical,
2: Boy. A goal and Golden Boy. Um, I know. And there's a there's the actually day.
1: an opera at the Met right now. I don't know if it's closed. It, it, it might yes.
2: be- Champion. Yes. Champion, yeah. Yeah, that's about uh, a queer boxer. Yeah. Yeah, an opera. And I've seen a couple of clips of that. And that's really wild to see big burly man with holding his other man with the giant opera, stunning, legit voice coming out. Yes. But yeah, that's interesting. Boxing musicals have done better than musicals about vampires.
1: You know what? Historically they have. You're right about that.
2: Yeah. Which (laughs) I don't, you know, I, I, and, and boxing musicals that aren't like camp. Like if you think about other musicals that are about sports, then there's like damn yankees but that's yeah. not re- that's not seriously about baseball i no. mean they're doing jumps and fuerte turns <laughs> and um i guess greece too has a scene about bowling um
1: that's right let's bowl oh right tonight, but tonight but like right. not a lot
2: of sports getting a real rep well Mike. well andrew Lee Weber did write the beautiful game which is about soccer anyway i digress sports and musical theater what what's happening didn't we try to get away from that i'm excited for you that's exciting
1: i know i'm very excited so i'll keep you posted
2: um phantom of the opera has officially closed yes on broadway i would have loved to have been there no one invited me i would have. i know
1: well how about ben crawford not able to do his final performance
2: that's nuts to me like i just can't even imagine what that is you are he's so wonderful in the role i've seen him do it he's so sensational and to and to be the bearer of the legacy and receive that mantle of trust that this worldwide production has put on him to close out the broadway run and then to get sidelined by an infection i know it's just i can't imagine what he's feeling or well that's just so nutty i know that's so that nice. Really, like,
1: that sucks.
2: It's like when Alex Brightman all of a sudden got a concussion, like the last week of Beetlejuice.
1: That's right.
2: And everybody was uh, was up in arms about it. But listen, I don't know if you've had a throat infection. I certainly have. And ain't nobody. Sometimes there's just shit you can't sing through, period.
1: Yeah, exactly. No there's matter what.
2: Not happening. No tricks exactly. of the trade are doing and, it for you.
1: And that show is closing, but he's, he's going to have a career after that. So.
2: Oh yeah. he's has got to save the gonna... gift. Absolutely. There's other roles to be sung. Although everybody keeps like Andrew Weber Webber on the news. Everybody keeps hinting at, like everyone says it's closing and then follows it up with, but I bet we'll see it back on stages sooner than you think. And I think it was somebody said specifically like within 18 months to two years and that there might be like some sort of immersive phantom of the opera kind of coming which I don't even know what that means or what that could mean, but I'm buying my tickets immediately.
1: Oh my god. What does that
2: mean? Does it mean you get a ride the chandelier?
1: Maybe you do. Did you see that TikTok about with the chandelier? What were they doing? Was the chandelier like coming out into the house? What was that? Everyone's posting this like
2: oh, it was probably just the final chandelier ride. Oh, it
1: was. That's yeah. exactly what it was.
2: Yeah. And there was a woman I saw all over it that that came to the to the closing dressed as the chandelier i did think of course when i was a kid and was listening to phantom of the opera i believed fully that the chandelier at the end of act one like fell very fast and abruptly down over the audience like a real scare sort of thing and that's not what happens it kind of glides safely and slowly to the stage but maybe in the immersive one or maybe in the one the vegas spectacular they get a real a real scary drop out of it
1: yeah, you know what's so funny? I too thought that. And then I saw it in Toronto and I was like, this doesn't move pretty slow. Do they need to like check on this? What's happening?
2: I expected something else. That and <laughs> um oh, we already know the wicked is the fourth longest show. We already talked about that, didn't we?
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: Yep. Okay, great. Um, let's play a game.
1: Oh, could we play a game? I I so love playing games with you, Jules.
2: I love playing games with you. <laughs> We are friends and we like to play games. Chris? Hi,
0: here I am. Let's play some games. How about that? Okay. So, we played this game before. Uh, I think I want to revisit it. It's got a fun name, no jingle yet, but it's Yadorb.
2: <gasps> Yadorb.
1: We love Yadorb. But... For
0: that's those right, that don't that's... know, yeah. Yadorb, uh, I'm going to play some songs in reverse. As and Ben will have the task of figuring out what the song is, and then I will play it forward, and then we will see if y'all are right. So this is gonna be a situation where you're gonna to have to just kind of buzz in or just kind of project loudly towards me so I know who to say, who did it first.
2: <laughs> the, the projecting loudly hasn't been a problem yet. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. <laughs> anyway, here we go. So let's start with the first one. Remember, remember this is gonna be in reverse. Oh, yeah. You have to figure out what it is forward
2: i have no idea what this is, but it's terrifying.
1: Hey. Yes, I know what it is. Hey, Big Spender.
0: Oh. Hey,
2: Big Spender. You got it. Great start. Yes. I, that <laughs> backwards sounds like you've walked in to a coven during a ritual. That is playing Big Spender backwards is terrifying. <laughs> I I was like some sex
1: club in Berlin or something. (laughs) Oh my! It sounded so
2: German. Yeah, (laughs) it sounded so German. Oh my gosh, that was so scary. It was a a little creepy. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. But yikes!
0: So let's go on to the the next one.
2: Here we go. Tell your story, ragtime.
0: Oh,
2: oh, uh, oh, uh, if I were a rich man, get know the same yeah. as <laughs> One of those words. If I were a rich man, I am a little bit of a little bit
1: of a it bit
2: of a little bit of a little forwards. of backwards like of of what are those words called a palindrome a palindrome Palindrome. i was about to say paradigm um, it's paradigm shift but that's as a turn that's good to know same same forwards as backwards <laughs> <laughs> Perf- that, was <laughs> that was perfect that
0: was perfect all right moving on to the next one i think you both got points not that the points yeah, well, are really relevant there's no prizes yeah. unfortunately but you both got that one right so this is the next one
2: consider yourself let's see that was good wow
1: i'm an expert at this game now i feel one with this game
2: i i couldn't hear that at all i think i'm still reeling over the witchy thing (laughs) Maybe you I'm... were.
1: maybe you had a spell put on you and you didn't even realize it,
2: oh my God. The incantations of it all. Okay. well done, Cheryl. fine. I'm all sweating. Right. Thank you. I'm taking I'm taking off the gloves.
0: Next, <laughs> next one,
2: coming out swinging
0: this one if I remember correctly, this one sounds pretty cool. So here we go. Uh,
2: It also sounds deeply German.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we, play, we play that little clip again for you.
2: Oh, suddenly Seymour! Oh,
1: let's see. Yeah, <laughs> suddenly Seymour
2: it was the it was the ellen green tone of the voice that finally got me up there this is a nail biter okay we have two more okay
0: here we go
1: i could have danced all night no (laughs) yes wow you know what's uh, so funny i was just thinking about this song because my girl joy woods slayed uh-huh. everybody at the mcc miscast benefit singing this at like at the last second
2: Oh, really about
1: this? Right. Yeah. No, someone, someone had to pull out and they, they had her come in with like three hours notice and she came in and like brought the entire house down.
2: Singing. I could have danced all night.
1: Yeah. And then the next day they announced that she was playing Audrey in little shop. It was really wow.
2: cool. Yeah.
1: Hi joy. I love you.
2: Wow. Hi joy. I love you. <laughs> I know joy.
0: All right. Um, so last wow, one. Okay. Okay, okay. I got
2: to get this one. I have to get this one. Ben focus. Come on. Here we go. Pull it together. Is that Norbert Leo Butts?
1: Friend like me?
0: Ask coming through. Oh,
2: my gosh.
1: You know what's going on y'all, my special skills? This. Yadav is going on my special skills.
2: I'm I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole. I'm downright lousy. Oh,
1: it's all right. James oh. Hero Iglehart, we love you. We do. Michael James Scott. All the genies.
2: Major Attaway.
1: Major Attaway, that's right.
2: Uh, Wow, you're really good at this game.
1: Thank you it's so much. It's
2: infuriating. Thank you. Yeah. I'm... uh. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> I'm gonna get you back for this. You're,
1: you're good at a lot of games.
2: Not this one though. I think yeah. I just get so lost in the. It all just sounds. I don't know. I guess I start fantasizing about what the scene is for what I'm hearing. Yeah. Which. I don't know. Maybe it's the witches still. Okay.
1: I, I do something in my head where like I hear it and I like kind of like this is not going to make any sense, but I kind of like. I listen to what is playing, and I try to like go like a second backwards, like and try to like reverse. weird. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like- oh my
2: gosh, that's like a system. This is like some Queen's Gambit shit. Like yes. all of a sudden, you're seeing all the moves <laughs> above you, all the chess pieces. I
1: do. I am because if you don't, if you don't really, like it can all sound the same. You all, you can always feel like you're in the coven.
2: <laughs> I think I'm lost in the coven. Yeah, I'm just. I can't get out of the coven. Maybe it's my Mormon upbringing. That's where I feel most comfortable. Could be. In a coven. All right. <laughs> oh, well, was well a done. Great um, that
1: was- I don't think we said at the beginning also that we were Theater Countdown and that you can follow us.
2: We were <gasps> no, we so excited just-
1: to play Yawdor, but, you know, find us on Instagram and TikTok at Theater Countdown, at Theater Count, on Twitter. Uh, and, and make sure make you subscribe. Review. We're yes, making bonus please.
2: episodes for every list, has its very own bonus episode where we get into a top 15 and it gets really personal and intimate, and uh, we wanna hear your thoughts, and we're gonna talk about them in our bonus episode, so. Yes,
1: and hey, we did see those it. comments on on Sherliss's TikTok.
2: Oh, right, so we should about talk about- About Tony
1: performances. Absolutely,
2: should, so yeah. I want to state for the record, there was many a person, uh, our beloved Michael Goddard, agent to the stars-
1: We love Michael Goddard. Wrote
2: in, and he said there was no list at all uh, if it didn't include Michael Jeter in Grand Hotel. <laughs> and- here's what he needs to know is that we talked about that we did we did talk about it we didn't put it on our list ultimately um i got some messages from people who um (laughs) thought i really should have included uh cynthia revo's i'm here tony performance they wanted that one in there sure um let's see who else did the people say
1: people wanted dream girls which i i appreciate a lot Mm of lame is Uh, you only mentioned musicals.
2: Oh, what did they say?
1: Oh, mentioned musicals and not straight plays. Yeah, we were discussing musicals. I'm just going through these comments. Oh
2: well, yeah. How would we? We wouldn't be able to play you any fun clips. And and quite honestly, (laughs) as far as Tony performances go, it really kind of runs the gamut of how they do a presentation for a play. So they have in the past done little scenelets of plays. Yeah. Um, but very often they have also kind of just done like a video package about the play. Um, so that's a little bit we tend to to hang out in um, the uh, the musical world. Mamie Duncan Gibbs, Broadway legend, Mamie Duncan Gibbs wanted to make. She thought we should have given a shout out to Gregory Hines and Jelly's Last Jam.
1: Love that uh, show.
2: And she also included a YouTube clip so that, I, that we might be educated. So thank you for that um somebody said um turkey lurkey time we didn't include and some people thought we should did we include that did you include that I we did i don't think it's on my list oh, it was to- it
1: was on actually it was on a list of mine and maybe it didn't make the final cut but i did i did have it on there for for a time and listen people there are so many and again my life my list your life your list
2: absolutely but we like here i this uh somebody mctoy story gave me uh his top five and his top five is fun he went he thought the fifth favorite was scarlet Pimpernel, which i don't remember the scarlet Pimpernel tony performance i'm assuming it would be into the fire uh hamilton yeah. rent number two promises promises so that's the turkey lurkey time and he agreed with you that the lion king was that's the him. best one there um and then so yeah people really liked the people wanted to know if we were including um opening numbers and i said no that was off yeah um but yeah michael jeter from grand hotel people really wanted that to be to be recognized so i love uh, you guys the more you shout out to it the i love it
1: yes please please think. continue to weigh in and we will we will uh, discuss it live here um, on, the, on the podcast
2: chloe, uh, chloe michelle said anything by audrey mcdonald that's fair yeah um uh let's see somebody wanted wicked in there which i disagree with i was part of that i don't think that was one of the greatest Tony performances ever <laughs> sorry about it um some more where is it then i got it's i'm just me luke said hello uh anything goes sutton foster to which i responded what about the patty lapone yes And we had to find, um, and then somebody else agreed with me about the Bernadette Gypsy. So keep them coming, people.
1: Please keep them coming. I can't wait to hear what people have to say about this list, this particular countdown, because this is really all over the place.
2: Well, (laughs) this this countdown today is gonna be, I don't know what they're, they're not gonna be able to say much about it, are they? Because it's personal. Well, I hope they
1: have plenty to say. I hope they weigh in and say that they, I don't know.
2: Well, here's the, okay, so let's the talk they'll share their
1: own. We're, we're talking theater memories today.
2: Right. We're talking our favorite theater memories. And I'm just going to, as I mentioned at the top of the episode of the show that we didn't name, um, <laughs> I, I am still a little confused about, we haven't had a lot of conversation about what this actually means. And I was thinking about it because we're a proud member of the Countdown Network, right? Mm-hmm. We've got Disney Countdown and um, Christmas, Christmas Countdown. Christmas Countdown. And here's the difference that, that became very clear to me in, put, in compiling a list for, for this. When you make a list for like a Disney countdown or a Christmas countdown, your profession is not Disney, nor is it Christmas. So our profession is theater. So it's kind of what's been tricky for me in my head, and we'll see how this all plays out, is a lot of really big memories for me Mm -hmm. equate to milestones within my personal theater career Mm -hmm. um and that might just be me being self-centered like every person who's listening to this podcast is because we're theater people so that goes without saying Mm -hmm. but also kind of the early things that that affected me and made me fall in love with theater um but i could very easily have compiled a top 10 list of the highlights of my career, and so that's where I'm kind of like I'm not sure what the interpretation of this is. So I'm really looking forward to yours. What do you think, Cheryl's?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're hosting this theater podcast right because of our experience in theater. So I feel like naturally yeah. our professional career highs or or standout moments are going to make it into this list. And I also think that like we've talked about it a little bit, but you know <clears throat> the reasons why we got into theater are going to be on this list, too. So I think I think you can't have one without the other for us. You know what I mean? I think if you are, you know, my good old parking attendant, homie. Yeah, then you have a different top ten for different, you know, for different reasons, unless you do theater at home, too. You know what I mean? So I I think I think it's I think there's there's fun and freedom in how vague this can be and how vast this can be.
2: All right. Okay, that's well, my that makes, story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, that feels very comforting and very open. And I, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of stuff written down of yeah. of theater moments uh, that have meant a lot to me. But because it's so, it's really hard to kind of enumerate these. Yeah. And say which memory is which. So I'm just going. I'm going to say it on the record. I'm going to be assigning these numbers as we go because it. it's uh, it's the wild west up in here as we dig into the vast, confusing corn mazes <laughs> in our minds.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun and and also like we all get to know more about each other.
2: Yeah, you know? whether whether you like it or not, here it comes. That's
1: right, getting to know you, bitch. getting to
2: know all about <laughs> you. <laughs> Getting to like you, getting to know why I like me. That's true. It's going to be some of that too.
1: All right. Should we dive in? Broadway, Broadway, favorite theatrical moments, 10 through 6?
2: Theater memories, theatrical moments.
1: Theater memories. I like theater memories. That's more concise.
2: Okay. Theater memories. Okay. O-M-G. All right. Reveal yourself, Charles.
1: Okay. My number 10, I'm starting with a pretty heavy hitter one. Um, This is a, this is a flex. It's a professional flex. Okay. My number 10, my top 10 theatrical memory. What is that you said? Is that what you said? Theater memories.
2: Yeah. yeah, My top
1: 10 theater memory is performing for and meeting Oprah after book of Mormon and talking to her with our cast for like 20, 30 minutes backstage. Oprah came to see us in Mormon with Gail and Gail's kids. And she was sitting in like what we call the celebrity seats, uh-huh. like center, you know what I mean? Center orchestra, like center, like half the way back. And she, we knew she was coming. We knew earlier in the week it, like the, our company management had sort of like let that slip. So like this day was like Oprah day. We, we were, everyone was excited. So then we come out and we, you know, when you're in a show, you can look out and see where people are sitting. I mean, there was no denying, no mistaking where she was. It was like, she had this light from the heavens. Shining over
2: her—that's um, her aura.
1: It's her aura, and you know, a lot of celebrities come to shows, but like Oprah, it was like the, it was a big, big deal. And then just to have her backstage and hang with us for like it was—it was close. It was close to a half an hour, just sort it's... of like shooting the shit and talking about the show and how she felt guilty about laughing because she felt like everybody was looking at her. It was just like it was so special. She stayed to take pictures with any person who asked her. A photo it was just like it was it was a, a highlight for sure. oh my
2: gosh an audience with oprah
1: an audience with oprah
2: do you was there a big hullabaloo before the show started like as the audience started to realize that she was there
1: yeah she came in last everyone right. they did that thing where like they, they seat everybody and then she comes in last with her people so it minimized um interaction with other audience members but yeah it was it yeah. was clear. I mean it was Did it they was
2: clear. did they like applaud her or mm-hmm. like did she get a standing ovation for walking in the room?
1: It was noisy. Yeah. It was noisy for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's amazing. The big O. And that's my The big point. O. The big O. She's a uh the high priestess of our of our sphere. That's right.
1: 100%. Yeah. Um
2: that's so cool. I remember when I saw Sunset Boulevard, the the last revival. I was there the night that Hillary Clinton was there.
1: Yeah,
2: and that's why I asked because that's what I was I thinking of when you when you the, asked me. Yeah, but I was in the balcony and and I was like, why is everybody applauding all of a sudden? And I looked down and she was waving and everybody could see her and and I feel like Oprah is a far less polarizing.
1: Yes, figure
2: than Hillary Clinton is.
1: And actually, when I went to go see Hello, Dolly, Gavin Creel got me tickets. And yeah. Oprah was there that night, too.
2: <laughs> okay, Oprah coming I through. I performed
1: for her, and then I was in the audience with her.
2: That's a full, you've had the full, run the full Oprah gamut.
1: That's right.
2: More, I have a, I think there's more Oprah in your life to come. I don't know. I That just flowed through me.
1: That'd be nice.
2: It would, yeah, you wouldn't turn it down. It just
1: flowed through you, didn't it? Yeah. You're a vessel, Charles. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay uh all right beautiful i'm right what a great way to start a list with right Oprah.
1: that's what i thought
2: um all right you know what else this list made me think of what? as i was like trying to remember like substantial moments of theater being in my life uh i started to think about the things that you would think would be really great moments that were not so great as well and maybe that's another list another time
1: yeah um, i mean we we've we've encountered we've been through some crazy experiences together some crazy shit
2: yeah um the, I, which i just had another I, I just had another thought okay i'm gonna go way way back to the very beginnings of little bendy cameron in orm utah and I, this came to me and i this memory hit and i can I can see where I was? I can smell where I uh, was, and I and I remember exactly what I was feeling when I was nine years old, and I did my very first musical, and it was a world premiere musical version of Little Lord Fauntleroy, <laughs> and uh, I what the memory that I have that is so visceral about that experience. Was being in the audition room. We were in this small town, it's a bigger town now uh, called Lehigh, Utah, which incidentally is where my mother's house is and my brother lives there now too. And we were in like the city council chambers and for this, for the final callback for Fauntleroy the musical. And I was nine years old and I remember being, they were doing that thing where they were like swapping us out with different people. Right. So like I would do a little bit of a scene with one woman, mom, and then I would do a scene with an old guy, grandpa guy, and then they would tell me to leave the room and then they would bring me back in. And, you know, when you're that old and you have no experience with the play every you think everyone's God, right. You think everyone's so important. And, but I was so young that I didn't, there was no real fear about it. It was just so exciting. And I remember feeling really in the zone, at this audition at nine years old, um, and something very—I and I think also because I was always so loud and expressive as a as a young kid that I was getting this positive feedback for those things. Yeah, for being loud and expressive and over the top. And I was, and people I didn't know were smiling at me and clapping and get, get, going outside and coming back inside. And I ended up getting the part uh, and splitting it with another kid who became my best friend. But, but it was that energy of that audition experience that I was just, I found a home in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that I can see it all so clearly and yes, doing the show was great fun. And, and, you know, my favorite thing in the world is to be on stage, quite honestly. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if that weren't true. Um, like I feel safer and more myself on stage than at any other time. I feel safer on stage than sitting at home alone with myself which that's what's for me and my therapist maybe, but I wonder if anybody else knows what that is. Um, But whether I'm taking the stage on Broadway or whether I'm standing in front of a crowd in a cabaret space or whatever it is, or talking to you and doing our podcast, I feel more comfortable as myself in these instances than anywhere surrounded by theater. And that started in in that audition room in the city council chamber in Lehigh, Utah.
1: I love that.
2: So- there it is, nine years old, the Lord Fauntleroy callbacks.
1: And the rest is history.
2: Yeah. And the rest is history. I'm still trying to make people like me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like you, Charles.
2: I like you too. Okay, okay, <laughs> now I'm, am I doing this See, right, do you think? You're
1: doing, yeah, you're doing great.
2: Oh my gosh, thanks, phew. All right, now I wanna know more. Great
1: memory, all right. Tell
2: me, tell me you're nine. Oh, I also uh, got to wear velvet knickers in that show.
1: You would leave that part out?
2: I don't know why I did. Velvet <laughs> Knickers and uh, lacy Doily Collars.
1: I love that. Matt Doily Collars.
2: Matt Doily Collars. Oh, my gosh. I'd love to um. call her Matt Doily. Um,
1: <laughs> Hi, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no. Now he knows.
1: Now he knows.
2: Now oh, he and Max shouldn't get divorced. Exactly. So. <laughs>
1: Okay, my number nine is uh, booking my first Broadway show, which was your first Broadway show, which was Footloose and getting that phone call after I had been in an audition sort of last minute, because if you remember, Lori Holmes hurt her back. I had auditioned for the show several times before. And at this point, they knew me. I wore the same yellow leotard. I had my hair in this little dance competition school studio girl bun and I was like a a little baby, like actually of high school age. Everyone else was older, of course. And I remember having the best audition And I felt like I felt special because everybody knew me. Walter Bobby knew me. They all remembered me. Doug Katsaros, our our MD, our music director. And I remember at the end, Walter asking me if I could roller skate. I was like, "Yep." I would have said I ate fire. Like I would have said yes to anything. Right. They asked. Right. And so, (laughs) So I remember I was a freshman at NYU and I got home. And the phone rang and it was our company manager susan oh my gosh i'm blanking from dodgers i'll never forget oh i was in my, my college dorm and she called me at like 5 30 that afternoon and told me that i got the job
2: wow and what and what, and geez, what was her... like your immediate reaction well, i had
1: rehearsal like i remember the date too. it was like it was february 4th i'll never forget and my reaction was like, holy shit. I called my parents and my parents were like, what about school? I was like, what about it? So I proceeded to go to school in the morning during the day. And then I would go and do my Broadway show at night and cover nine women.
2: Whoa. And it happened
1: fast because Lori was injured. So I went in, it wasn't that thing where like, you start like in a couple of weeks, you know, sometimes when you you book a show, you have a couple of weeks. No, I, I had like, I think I had like, that was a Thursday, I think. And then I started rehearsal the next Tuesday, or maybe I had come in for fittings or something that the weekend prior. But yeah, it happened were you, really fast.
2: Were you just so elated?
1: I was shaking. I mean, I remember like bursting into tears on the phone with, with whoever called. And then like, and then I went from that to instantly like trying to like make it seem totally doable to my parents that I could be oh. on an academic scholarship and have to maintain a GPA and be on Broadway at the same time
2: that is
1: Wish I did <laughs> but... <laughs> who
2: I that's who on earth it was has nuts. that experience it was nuts that's wild yeah Which, But what so did they were they like bowled over and did they give you like a, oh my god we're so happy for you or did they go straight for the like what about school
1: they kind of did both. They were, I think they were in shock. I think the what about school was like a question that just came out of shock because I didn't think they actually believed that I would go to New York. And I told them I was going to go to school and study and get and get good grades and do all the things that they wanted me to do. But I was also in New York so that I could audition and take class and do all the things that I wanted to do. Um, so I think when it actually happened, they were, they couldn't believe it. Yeah. It happened. It was my second semester of my freshman year.
2: That's, oh, so you're like, right of like barely into school
1: yeah yeah wow
2: that's intense
1: yeah and luckily one of my one of my um tas was a dancer and she had a class that fell right around like wednesday matinee time uh-huh. So she was when I told her what what was going on. She was like, "Oh my God, I'm so happy for you. Anything you need, you can meet me afterwards. I'll help you with whatever." I mean, she was just so elated. And I wasn't in the in Tish. I was in the School of Ed, which is now Steinhardt. So I didn't have to worry about that sort of like, "Oh, I can't be in this." You know, I, I, I was studying something completely separate. So that worked out.
2: Oh yeah, if you were in like working on the student production of whatever as well, and then you get all of that pushback potentially yeah, no from yeah. I remember going to AMDA for the two glorious months I did and, and auditioning was frowned upon.
1: Yeah.
2: And and I can only imagine at a fine upstanding place like New York University. That's right, um, nice, darling. Congr- yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much. I, I was there. Um, you but, were there. Yeah, congratulations about that. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Okay, I'm going to go down the list this way. I'm gonna we're gonna go back in time again. I love it. For my number nine was fifth grade. And I was obsessed with all of my show tunes. And I had my tapes as well. I had my my cassette tapes that I would listen to every night on my my boom box. It said, I think it said subwoofer on the speakers. Because you know, you've got to really pump up Camelot with some serious super bass.
1: Sure do.
2: Pretty sure that's what the song is about. Yeah. Um And uh, so of course I was like getting my mom into theater and stuff and I was obsessed with Les Mis. So my mom and got me out of school three days early or something of fifth grade. So we could pile in the van with the kid that I had met doing the Fauntleroy show that we were still friends. And um, we drove to Denver to see the national tour of Les Mis. And I remember that night just being so pumped up because this was my thing. Like theater was the thing that I knew about. And you remember that whole thing where I like scolded that kid who was trying to tell me he knew about cats. And I was like, no, you don't. You don't know anything. Uh, Like a little maniac. And I, this was like my, I don't know, it was my moment. And I put on a full suit and I got all gussied up And so did my mom and so did my friend and his mom. And we went to see Les Mis and I got to see all of the things that I had been imagining for as long as I had known what Les Mis was and was listening to it at a young age. I got to see it unfold in front of me with the classic barricade, with the smoke, with the songs and every song started. And I went, oh, that's, it just, I felt so inserted into that experience. And that's something that I have tried in my professional career to always remember. Right. We always like to say, remember that it's always somebody's first time in the theater or someone's last time in the theater before you go on. And those people will never know how important that I'd be on this podcast this many years later, talking about this night and thanking them for the performance that they gave. Um, and I had, we bought the souvenir program and I bought the sweatshirt. I didn't buy the sweatshirt. Mom bought the sweatshirt and I was just in love with it. And it was the white one that they discontinued.
1: Oh yeah. It, had the little, little
2: on it. it was the white one. So it really the colors really popped. You still have it? I wish. Me too. I wish I would eBay that so fast.
1: Okay. Maybe I'll go buy it <laughs> on
2: eBay actually. Maybe I'll go search it out. Um, but it was so, the buildup, it was just so special because Lamez hadn't toured through Salt Lake City yet. So we, so the fact that it became a road trip, it was a family thing. It was a best friend thing. It was this exclusive little club of support for these two moms and their silly little actor, actor preteens. And I just loved every second of it. And um, it was so special. And I don't know, maybe the whole point is, is that a night of the theater has never felt that special again. Mm. That's that moment.
1: God, I love a happy ending.
2: Yeah. Oh. Oh, I've got a guy. I got a guy on Ninth Avenue you can call. It's great with a happy ending.
1: Um, No, I know what you mean. And also it <laughs> doesn't like you, you can't ever match that sort of like excitement and the thrill, but also on the flip side, I think going into this profession, I used to love performing on tour for that very reason like people come to new york and from all over to see shows but it's when you get to go to cities like akron ohio mm-hmm. or detroit i mean detroit has a pretty good art scene but you know what i mean akron ohio or or columbus or like these these cities that that don't necessarily get the shows right away yeah. um I, those are some of the best audiences to perform for
2: yeah that's In the opinion. once again access yeah they finally yeah. have access to it um Yeah. I just, it's so, I remember the ritual of it, the ritual of getting your program and going to your seats and reading through it. And I don't, and I certainly at that point was not, never in a million years would I have deigned to consider that I would try to do this professionally or God or or that I would be successful, or if that was even a possibility, I wasn't there yet. I was just in awe of, People get dressed up and they sit down and they watch it. I don't know. It was yeah.
1: It yeah. It's very glamorous and it, it, it like when you're a kid, it just all yeah. seems so glamorous. The same thing, with, you know, in Pittsburgh, it's like people drove downtown to, early to get parking to go mm-hmm. see something at the Benedum Center or yep. Heinz Hall, and then you go to the nice dinner that you wouldn't normally go to. You know, when you when you're dressed up and and seeing a seeing a big fancy show.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah it's it's the specialness of it all yeah. you know and now we go to broadway shows and i love that i get to go to broadway shows all the time uh in my life uh but i i throw on a sweatshirt and i yeah. walk in and wink at the usher and you know when i love it but it's you know it's not it's i'm gonna chase that dragon always right that's that fifth grade sixth grade dragon in denver oh my gosh okay go what's yours? Go.
1: Okay, my number 8 is uh along the same lines of seeing a show but I saw the show in New York and I saw the show many times but I will never forget the first time that I saw Rent um live like in the in the in the theater not live on Fox or whatever whatever channel it was on. Um when I saw because I think I had seen the Tony I think I had seen the Tony number first and then we made a big trip to New York that summer or something for dance competitions. And I, I I was a kid. I I don't remember. I mean, I was, I was like maybe like a young teenager or something. And I remember sitting in the, in that seat and losing my mind the entire second act. I mean, I was a mess Uh and I just remember like now looking back, I'm like, it was such a, such mature subject matter. And I like, it really resonated with me so deeply. And everyone was just like, I, Adina's, um, what is the name of that? Over the moon. Over the moon. Yeah. Oh my god!
2: Mm-hmm. I just
1: like I learned so much about what you can do as a singer. That's not like golden age. I learned what you know. Women can be funny and sing their their faces off. It was just like like you can be moved by something. You can see people who look like you, and more than one of them. And and it just I was just so impacted by that show. I think I saw it three more times, total. Mm. Um, but I that show really like showed me what was possible for somebody like me who looked like me, who sang like me, who danced like me.
2: That's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. uh, I see that's all somewhere on my list too. Um, but I'll just share that with you is the the rent moment because i i remember sitting in the front row and had done done that whole crazy thing and i remember in the line down down the line during seasons of love i could have sworn adina looked at me yeah and i could have sworn that you know what i mean like it was just wanting so badly to connect somehow with them
1: yeah and then like and then moving here and getting to know all of them was really cool too like the full circle moment of that and like becoming friends with jay rodriguez and shana Steele. and i mean like we were we were all the young like broadway babies
2: oh yeah i when i was dating jay i would go see him in the show and would weep like crazy every time he died and then fast forward six months then i was just wishing he would die and uh yeah, that goes. Another story for my therapist.
1: That's right. Um,
2: thank you, Brent. <laughs> okay, oh God, this is getting good. Okay.
1: It is getting good. Okay, you're on number eight, yes?
2: Number eight. All right, okay. fast forwarding now. Now, <laughs> this is a very recent memory and there's a couple of reasons why this is um, powerful, but I wonder if we've spoken about this. But uh, the, I, I can encapsulate this whole evening, um, but it was going to see the color purple uh, with Cynthia Revo and Heather Headley together.
1: Oh. Um,
2: and I will say to the, till the end of my day, so that was one of the most profound nights in the theater that I'd ever had. And wow. I think it was, comp- I, the, the electricity between those two women in that revival was just so palpable. And what I was really pleased about in it is that it, I went to, I bought a ticket and I went to see that by myself because i said i'm not going to sit around and wait for this moment to pass me by i need to i i felt that it was a moment in time and i and i said i'm taking myself to the theater i'm buying myself one ticket i'm going to i'm going to watch this and it was as as stunning and electric as i could have imagined and i remember going walking home after that that night it must have been warm out and calling uh the guy i was seeing at the time and and just the word profound kept coming up um, to watch that kind of greatness together to con- contemporary goddesses at the top of their game. And I think there was something special about having that strong a reaction to two performances without the burden of, uh, hey, what did you think? Mm-hmm. Or this was just because I love theater so much that I was not going to miss this so fuck y'all i'm going i'm buying a ticket i'm not getting a cheap ticket i'm getting a real ticket and i'm and i'm going and i think that i was proud of of accepting that about myself that i wanted that i wanted to do that and have that be a night for me um but the the two of them in that musical were just (laughs) <laughs> i'm Fabulous. so
1: sad i didn't get to see that there there is something profound about a going to the theater by yourself and b going to something like that show of that magnitude by yourself because it's mm. it, it's like it's like traveling alone eventually you like you you're you're more open to interactions with other people because you don't have a companion
2: mm-hmm. to sort of distract mm-hmm.
1: you so you're all experiencing this moment together which is really mm-hmm. special yeah, connecting.
2: Yeah, even for, if you don't for. talk
1: about it with with the person sitting next to you.
2: But knowing that they're all are are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you yeah. hearing what I'm hearing? Are you watching the two of them looking at each other? And when we we all were, you could not feel it. Yeah, um, goddesses at the top of their game.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks. That's a real good one.
2: <laughs> all right, what's your number seven?
1: Okay, my number seven is a very recent one, and it's uh, it's going into my associate directing work. It's the
2: oh.
1: it was probably the one. I was the one or two performances where we had two of our principals were out with COVID. They were one one couple. Our older our older Ali and our older Noah were both out with COVID, and another actor was sick. So we had on, I think, five or six covers, and I was responsible for putting everyone in the show and maintaining it. Oh, wow. All by myself, first time as an associate, you know, basically Ooh. like rehearsing a, this understudy who had never gone on and, and putting her in and making her, making sure that, that everything was seamless and that she was comfortable with her scene partner and vice versa, and that these
2: you know these other
1: two characters were were telling the story and and you know doing doing what they needed to do for the show and there was such a huge standing ovation at the end i was so proud of the cast and the company and everyone backstage um but i was proud of myself because they jumped yeah. to their feet and it was really and chicago is a, is a savvy sophisticated theater audience so i was i was super proud i was super proud
2: that's huge and that's huge i think When you are, when your career starts as a performer and I'm going to butter your biscuit a little bit here, but when your career starts as a performer and we have this kind of narrow vision of, I just want to be able to do this, right? Mm -hmm. I just want to be able to do this. And then, then God willing, you have some success and success being getting to work in your chosen field. Um, And then, you know, when you live in a world where you kind of sing and dance and do it all, you start to see people making new choices and and expiration dates start to come up for people and they have other life goals that they wanna achieve. And and to trust in yourself and find and bolster in yourself these other creative superpowers that you have and amplify them and have them carry you to into new things that you could have never imagined when you got that call to be on Broadway that you would be associate directing this giant musical and and being the having to be the calm force to put this thing together um and not everybody does that yeah um and it's a lot about really channeling what you have inside and not being afraid to take it on um and to grow and evolve so kudos
1: thank you yeah, yeah it was it was a moment where i was like okay Maybe, maybe I can do this because it, the rest, you know, the, the, up to the, up till that point, the the process had been so fast and furious and there's no time to sort of like take stock of, of the work you're doing. You're just trying to make sure everybody's getting to their marks and, and doing a good job.
2: Yeah. Sometimes that's better. Sometimes when you just, better. Right. That you, I don't have time to overthink this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's
2: instinct control, decisiveness.
1: Yeah. Helps to have like one of the most talented casts in the world at your disposal, but
2: <laughs> sure, sure, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. We're, but <laughs> we're only as good as the tools we use.
1: That's right.
2: Um, oh my gosh, that's my okay. number seven. All right, I feel it. I feel it. Um, my number seven is going to be okay. My number seven is uh touring generally touring europe when i was 18 turning 19 years old and i went on tour with fame the musical yes and we got to go all over europe and the you know this musical i feel bad for anybody who would have to sit through it um (laughs) but my experience as a performer in the show was so delightful it was one of my early, early gigs where I was kind of going, Oh my gosh, wow, I I guess I was right. I can do this. People will hire me to do this and write me checks. This is pre-Broadway calling. This is the year before. And um I got to go see the world and meet people and beyond that, just have so doing this show um and cutting up and you know there's no equity there so we did pulled all sorts of crazy shenanigans on stage I think I've talked about on the show before um but it was just kind of pure joy and it's not lost on me the privilege and wonder of getting to go overseas as a young person and do I love and make friendships that I've had since then um and getting to be in a big splashy musical. And um, yeah, it was just very, very cool. And I, I look back on that time with such fondness because it was also so early in my career that there was absolutely, I don't consider myself a particularly jaded person, but there was certainly no <laughs> chips on any shoulders Yeah. at that stage of the game. There was gratitude, enthusiasm, joy, and a lot of kicking
1: man those european tours were something i i miss i i was close to to touring internationally a couple of times and it never happened and i'm so mm. bummed i mean you, you don't really hear about it anymore i mean certainly with covid yeah. it's a little it's a little more dicey but like those west side stories that used to travel that used yeah. to go through italy and yeah to go to vienna and all you know like gosh yeah. i mean i yeah. toured the u.s which is cool but
2: for sure and I, we did, we took like a day off and we all went and did a day in Paris together and, yeah. you know, got to just and be forced to deal with people and try to see if like my seventh grade German was intact somehow. And I got exposed to H&M for the first time and bought myself some big silky shirts and told everybody I was straight. And everybody's like, what the fuck is going on here? This boy doesn't know who he is. And sure, they're right, but... But look at the shirt. But look at this shirt. It's a metallic shiny shirt from this place called Ha und Um. Who knew that it would be destroying the planet with fast fashion? Yeah. In 20-something years.
1: Now look uh, at us.
2: I went to Schwanstein. I got to drive on the Autobahn. And that's the, the gift of theater. Yeah. So for young people, don't sit around and wait for Broadway to call. Get out there, get on the cruise ships, get on the, go yes. do the, the tours, do the non-equity tours, do the, do the Tokyo Disney, go do what you love and see the world.
1: Yeah. Can I also say that those are, those are some friendships that you form for life. Like when you yeah. go through something like that and you, and you travel the world with people, or you travel the country, or just anywhere. It's, it's so, it's so little, has so little to do with what you're doing on stage. It's like life yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah. You
1: grow up you really it's like going to college it's like yeah you're getting an education in the classroom but it's like the education you're getting outside and the experiences that you're that you're getting outside yeah that you'll you'll remember that will make your list of theater memories one day
2: yeah and the fact that every day ends with you still getting to put on a silly costume and make pretend yeah that's how that's how each day will end
1: i love it each day ends with make pretend
2: yeah Ooh, look at that new lines of merch coming
1: oh so poetic it kills me
2: okay all right
1: um okay number six. Ah.
2: Awesome. now i feel like there's really... too many there's too many memories we're not gonna have oh god okay
1: i know see it's a good one <clears throat> um uh, right. number so six is really is a very heartfelt uh special one that has to do with our friend who's no longer with us greg Ruder. um oh and understudying the Lady of the Lake in Spamalot, and I remember that whole like understudying that role was like a was a real turning point for me, because of the because of the character, but also working with Mike Nichols, working with Casey Nicola for the first time, who's now hired me at f- at least four times. Um, but I was a replacement in that show as well. Lauren Kennedy was the Lady of the Lake at that time, um, and Greg Reuter sat with me in the house of the Schubert Theater one day after understudy rehearsal and basically just shared with me everything that Mike had said in rehearsals because I missed it because I I was a replacement, shared with me everything he said about the show, shared with me everything that he observed um, from Sada's process because really Sada created that role. I mean, there was very little on the page for that role. Mm. And Greg just like shared everything and, and, and we, you know, I, I was able to ask him questions and he really, I credit Greg Ruder for, um, for giving me the confidence to do comedy.
2: Wow. And he and was, he was like, he was funny, one of the first
1: people, he's so funny. He was one of the first people to really see me as a, as a comedic actor. And that show was so special because it was so funny, but also it was just like a, a really like generous group of people from like Hank Azaria to David Hyde Pierce, Christian Borle. I mean, those like Michael McGrath was like a group of heavy hitter comedic actors, Sada, Lauren, and Kennedy, um, Jen Frankel. I mean, the ensemble was hilarious, but just like, but Greg and I sitting, I'll never forget that. It's like one of my favorite memories of him.
2: I... That I took that his passing I took really hard
1: yeah
2: um for a lot of reasons and quite honestly um that generosity of spirit I know I feel like I can see this whole thing I like see you guys sitting in the theater in the back and having this um but Greg uh for just for some of my personal demons that I've that I've dealt with um Greg has was inspired some of the changes I've had to make in my life Mm -hmm. um. But I just I, I I love that anyway. He was Greg Reuter was a, a he was magnificent, amazing, magnificent performer and a hell of a guy and gone way too soon. Yep, and um, we miss him. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Had to bring Greg into this.
2: I love you. I oh golly, I've I've cried in in a bathtub for a couple times talking to Greg. Yeah. Um. Up there. Um is wild um that's beautiful that's beautiful i think that people don't also necessarily know just how wonderful and nurturing other cast members can be too you know because our business yeah. can leave this cutthroat sometimes and- people
1: really lean into the cutthroatness ruthlessness of it all but there are really like there are really generous people <laughs> around huh. and people who just want to see you do well and succeed. When I first went on, I mean I had like the, the the cards that people took the time to write. David Hyde Pierce like came out and like he would do his own warm-up on stage every day, but he, you know, they all made sure it was okay. Just like people really taking care of each other um exists and and it's uh, yeah, there's some really classy, beautiful, generous people that we get to work with.
2: I'm just I do everything I do. I just love the crazy kooky people that are in this business you know all these little wonderful angels that have come from wherever whatever weird circumstance that you couldn't possibly imagine who come to this 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 mecca of a city and have the audacity to go for it yep and and supp- and if they can support each other oh golly okay uh that's number six number six number six number six um, okay, this is a little love letter to the power of of music and musical theater. Uh, for years, I, I didn't see this coming, it's my number six, but here it is. Um, There was, um, I hosted an open mic at the Duplex, it's the world famous cabaret club in uh, Greenwich Village, downtown, and hosted that late nights, really late nights, so till 4 a.m. once a week for years. And uh, people just come in and get completely plastered. and seemed like they want to sing. There was one night in particular and it was packed. And of course, the duplex is right next door to the Stonewall Inn, which is kind of the epicenter of the gay rights movement, right? It's an icon. And uh, there was the night that um, somebody got up to sing, um, Marry Me, Marry Me a Little from company. And, um, that was the night that they, so this is years ago that New York state had announced legalization of gay marriage. And I don't remember who it was. Who who was it that was singing? I think it's a friend of mine, but it was a great performer and they sang marry me a little. And it, I, the electricity of it, like that song was written for that moment. Once again, we love you, Mr. Sondheim. And we all of a sudden every, you could see everybody looking and and realizing that that this oh had been God. announced that gay marriage was legal and so what had half of the gay community in New York City done but they had rushed to the Stonewall Inn and so he's singing "Marry Me a Little Body Heart and Body Mind and Soul" la, la 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 and we're all it was so visceral and then we all as soon as he finished I'm ready someone now And we all burst into applause and crazy. And then the entire room of people who had come to this nightclub, and it's in an upstairs like attic cabaret room, we all went to the streets. We all exited the cabaret room and we went onto the street in Sheridan Square outside of the duplex to hundreds and thousands of people chanting and screaming and raising their hands up and and this wonderful victory for, for human beings had wow. happened and the moment and the music came together of Mary Me Little. I'm gonna remember who it was who was actually singing this. I think it was Trevor, uh-huh, Trevor somebody. I'm gonna look it up. I'm still friends with him on uh, Facebook and he was wow. like a probably actor when he was a kid. And um, it was just that song was made for that moment. And I got to share that with these theater geeks in a cabaret space. And um, yeah, that's Never really forget powerful. It. Never forget it. Marry me a little right there. Amazing. That's my number six. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to tell everybody our five through one. Geez, Louise.
1: Wasn't that fun, Charles?
2: That was fun. I was trepidatious. I was nervous.
1: I know. Now look at you uh,
2: foaming at the mouth,
1: foaming at the mouth, chomping at the bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed our 10 through six as much as we did, and hopefully more. Let us know, please, would you?
2: Yeah, let us know what your thoughts are and what your favorite memories are, because we're not done yet. We've got next week's episode is coming at you. We're going to discuss our top five. And then, of course, we'll drop... A special bonus episode that's got even more memories for you. But we want to hear your theater memories, so make sure you follow us on social at theater countdown. And at theater count.
1: Oh.
2: And and, and, okay, Cheryl's. Yeah. Until next time. Uh